0: There are so many things that I could uh, chop up with our next guest, Mike Patterson of the Omaha World Herald, who is in Lincoln covering the state girls semifinals going on in all classes today. Lots of excitement there. A lot of excitement in class B yesterday, class A got in the on Wednesday. But uh, Mike, as I am as well, long-suffering Chicago Bears fan, and he's also on the Omaha hockey beat as well, we say good morning to Mike you out guys there in are Lincoln. Everywhere, yeah. Bears fans. I, I know We're, we are. We are a proud like bunch. He and uh, Sam McEwen as well. But uh, good morning, Mike. How are you?
1: Hey Nick, doing great. Uh, boy, you had to bring up the Bears, didn't you? But, yeah. Uh, Long suffering like you are, and um, <laughs> I know you're probably getting asked like I am. What are they going to do with uh, Fields? Trade him? Yeah. Uh, whatever. So. Whatever happens, happens. I'm afraid that whatever the Bears do, it's probably going to be the wrong thing. But uh, yep. uh, let's, let's be hopeful.
0: Yep, absolutely. And then the, to, to add another fun little mystery piece to the Caleb Williams saga, we found out yesterday that he is not releasing his medicals to any teams, which uh, is believed to be the first player in Combine history to ever do that, to uh, not release his medicals. So I don't even know what the hell that means, Mike, but it probably means something bad for Chicago.
1: Yeah, I know, and then there was a story out there that he didn't even want to play in Chicago. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah. I, I don't know, several layers to that, Nick, so we'll just have to see how it plays out.
0: We live a charmed life as uh, Chicago Bears fans. Um, hey, yesterday there, there was a lot of great takeaways, and I know you documented them. I just want to know, I, I've seen the wardrobe that, that you typically sport when, when you're at an Omaha hockey game or when you were – uh, when you cover high school baseball, I saw you many that many times with the Royals code. Have you ever decided to go with a maybe a, a three piece suit or wear the vest like uh we saw Wade Coulter uh rock with Gretna East yesterday?
1: Wow, three piece suits for me, Nick, are usually <laughs> reserved for weddings and you know, possibly funerals, but not so much as far as when I'm covering something. I'm uh, more of a conservative dresser, but you mentioned Wade Coulter and uh wow, if anybody saw what he was wearing yesterday he was uh definitely sporting the the uh, gretna east colors of black and yellow he had bright yellow pants on he had a checkered black and yellow vest and uh he was making a statement but what the heck it worked because gretna east won in their first trip to state so uh more power to wait i like the fact that he just puts himself out there so it was uh it was it was
0: quite a show you you've covered high school sports for a while now to see when you get a new high school that breaks through on the state scene regardless of what the sport is it's and it, it doesn't matter who the opponent is it doesn't really even matter what the final score was when you finally break through on the state scene and you're playing for a semifinal. there's just there's so much more to it i i believe compared to any other team that you're going to see in semifinal action today what was what was just the overall historical uh, context sort of reaction for, from Gretna East big win yesterday.
1: Yeah, it, it was really uh, special, Nick. Um, they made it in volleyball, so they had been down the state before in that sport, but mm-hmm. uh, when they won in basketball yesterday, and they, they have a little deal where they get to run over and put their name on the bracket that they survived the first round, so you could hear the team, couldn't see them, but you could hear the team cheering from that. And the team went running over to the student section and the student section was all still there and they were cheering and then they were all chanting for Wade to come over and he went over there and, uh, you know, it w- it was really neat. And, um, you know, I can remember when my high school Rummel slash Ron Colley made it to mm-hmm. state in basketball. I mean, that's a memory that I still have that, uh, It was really awesome. So for a first-year school to get down there, not just to get down there, but to win a game, that that had to be really special for Gretna East.
0: Uh, Yesterday for Elkhorn North, uh, defending champion, and just a fantastic player in in Britt Prince, I know, 33 points. They needed just about every bit of that. Is there, I don't know if I want to say concern, but the fact that you had – certain teams that got to rest a little bit compared to teams that were going to the very end of their match, uh, like uh, uh, Elkhorn North had to go yesterday uh, in their victory. Is, uh, is, is that a concern for this in, in the semifinals there, in that game that they had against Scotts Bluff.
1: Right. I think it is a concern, Nick, because uh, you know if you get all the way to the finals, Class B, the way it's set up, they would have to play three games in three days, so that's something that they don't do during the season. And, uh, you know, Elkhorn North was pushed yesterday, kind of surprisingly by Scott's bluff. I had to give them credit because they just came out nothing to lose attitude. And they were ahead of Elkhorn North by seven in the first half. And I think everybody on press row was kind of looking at each other, like, is this really happening? <laughs> but then of course it came to be, uh, Rick Prince time and McKenna Murphy, their second scoring threat came through and, um, they went on a 14 run shortly after that and, and went on to the win, but they were pushed much more than uh, Omaha gut was. They kind of cruised to victory in that first round against South Sioux City, and most of their starters sat for most of the second half. So we'll see if that comes into play uh, in today's semifinals or maybe even in Saturday's final.
0: Yeah, you mentioned Scott Rolling. They got Gretna East. When you kind of look at both of those semifinals tonight in Class B, I should say this afternoon in Class B, what what are you kind of looking for there between Scott Gretna East and then Elkhorn North Beatrice?
1: I'm kind of interested to see uh, how Gretna East does. You know, we talked about them winning their first game, but now they're in the semifinals, and they were in the Metro Conference this year, Nick, as we know, and they played a really tough Metro schedule. Mm -hmm. So, I think that maybe prepared them for, for what's at the state. They didn't place Scott during the season. So that's kind of an X factor, but uh, you know, the Skyhawks really have a lot of motivation. Finishing as the runner up the past two years to Elkhorn North. And, um, you know, the wolves will be playing Beatrice and Beatrice had a really emotional game themselves last night. They were hit by 14 against Norris going into the fourth quarter. They lost the lead with about a minute left. And then, uh, a freshman knocked down two free throws with 13 seconds left uh, in their victory. And I'm, I'm always amazed at the poise of those players, not not just uh, seniors that have been there before, but you know a freshman to knock down two free throws late in the game yeah. last night, and she just did it as nice as you please. And I think, man, I could have never done that when yeah. I was in high school. So uh, props to all those athletes down there for playing on the big stage.
0: And, I, you know, speaking of that game with uh, Beatrice prevailing, i am just been kind of looking around the bracket the last couple of days. We haven't seen a lot of big upsets. It's pretty much been chalk. The occasional five over four. But, I mean, that's maybe your biggest one is six versus three. But you've seen both of these teams. Was that a big surprise to you that uh, six-seed Beatrice was able to take down third-seed Norris? Um,
1: It was in that Norris had beaten Beatrice twice this season. So you kind of think uh, – They'll probably do it again at State, but then the old adage of it's tough to beat a team three times comes into play. And Beatrice got off to a really good start, and Norris was kind of playing catch-up the whole game. And I think when uh, Norris had to really expend a lot of energy to get back into that game in the fourth quarter, like I said, they they got it tied. They went ahead by a point. Uh, The freshman knocked down those two free throws. But like I said, for the most part, uh, the teams that we thought make them through at least to the uh, semifinals are still there.
0: Class A uh, gets underway tonight. Semifinals, that is. Uh, some good ones. Millard West, and Lincoln North Star, then Lincoln Southwest taking on Bellevue West. Uh, look, the the I know last year a lot of my attention for the Girls' state Tournament was directed at Elkhorn North and to see the type of player that Britt Prince is. Really looking forward to watching the Gesser Twins from Millard West in my alma mater take on North Star at 6 o'clock tonight. When you look at this matchup and and just how impactful those twins have been, but really this Millard West team, that it's it's crazy to to think, and and Gary brought this up we were talking about the other day. Look, Millard West is no stranger to championship competition and state titles, but it is kind of crazy to think that they have yet to capture a Class A state title in girls basketball with some of the teams that they've had. Might this be the year just based on what you're seeing with this team?
1: Well, it might be, Um, you know, that's the bugaboo with them, Nick, that they never have won it. They've come close, three-time runner-up. They've had some good teams, but they've just run into uh, teams that were just a little bit better down at State. That's kind of a mental hurdle. I know the uh, baseball team at Millard West (laughs) kind of was fighting that for a while. And, uh, you know, when Steve Fry took over out at Millard West, they were able to get over that and win a title. So, you know, Millard West, 25-1. and one. They've been the best team all season long. Their only loss was to uh, a team from Iowa, so they haven't lost to any teams in the state. They haven't seen North Star yet, so that's kind of the X factor there, but mm-hmm. uh, you mentioned the Guesser twins, Neely and Nora. Junior guards, both really good, um, being highly recruited. Uh, we've talked about them this season. They're identical twins, and they're going to be a package deal in college. I don't know where they're going to end up, but uh, they're going to play together in college. So, uh, you know, I look for Millard West to probably prevail today, but boy, on the other side of that bracket, Bellevue West, they not only have a great boys team this year, but they've got a really good girls team, and I think they've won 13 in a row now. So I, I really think the Thunderbirds present possibly the biggest challenge to that big hurdle that the Wildcats are trying to get over.
0: Talking to Mike Patterson, Omaha World Herald. He is uh, covering the Girls' State Tournament on the girls' basketball beat. Uh, So you have Millard West, North Star at 6, Lincoln Southwest, Bellevue West at 745, Class B semifinals. It'll get started with Omaha Scott. Take it on Gretna East at 130, and then that's followed with Elkhorn North and Beatrice. Any other major takeaways as we get into semifinal Friday out there in Lincoln? Even in some of the other classes, anything stood out to you?
1: Uh, You know, one team I'm interested in seeing is – Bridgeport undefeated. Last C one. I went out there to do a feature story last year. They had an equally great season. Heck, I didn't know how far Bridgeport was. It's about <laughs> seven hours away from Omaha. Nick. So I figured I could have driven to Chicago or St. Louis in about the same time. Yeah. But you know, uh, a lot of those teams out west and Sydney is kind of like that this year in C one too. Mm-hmm. That uh, we kind of overlook them a little bit here on the eastern part of the state, but. Bridgeport and uh, Crofton and C2 still undefeated. So I'm kind of eager to see if they can keep it going. Bridgeport's going for their first state championship. And, um, you know, it's just one of those typical great small town stories. And, you know, when I watched them out there play last year and their gym, the place was packed and just a lot of excitement. And I'm sure pretty much the whole town is shut down in, in Lincoln this week. So, Yeah, I'd say Bridgeport and Crofton, those two undefeated teams to see if they can finish things off or or two of the better storylines in C1 and C2.
0: You know, Mike, I want to ask you about this just with the the old tournament format now is we've seen it shift to where you do start this thing on a Wednesday and and you do so by eliminating having the actual high school sites where you can play all of those opening round games at either Pinnacle Bank Arena or the Devaney Center. And every team having a chance to experience that, I, I feel like that part of it is obviously a major improvement. Having the day off, if you are to play on Wednesday, I'm I'm assuming is probably very welcome by the coaches that are now experiencing this. But as far as you know, the teams that played yesterday and having to go back to back to back, has there has there been any kind of pushback when it comes to a little bit of that inconsistency when it comes there?
1: Um. I don't know if there's been pushback, but I know when I talked to uh, Ann Prince, Elkhorn North coach, yesterday that she was saying, boy, I wish we had that extra day like class they mm-hmm. had playing uh, on Wednesday and then not coming back until today. So, uh, yeah, that's interesting. I guess for the greater good, the high school sites were taken out of play and you know, I think it's a good thing that, um, all the teams get a chance to play either at Pinnacle bank arena yeah. or the Devaney center. I mean, those are the two big showcases down there. I'm thinking of the boys tournament some years ago when, uh, Winnebago made it down there and they played first round at Lincoln Southeast. And there were some major problems as far as there wasn't enough room for people to park. There wasn't enough mm-hmm. uh, seats in the gym. So you're not going to find that at the Devaney or PBA and, uh, yeah, I, I think uh, overall it
0: is a good thing, Nick. Uh, Mike, while we still have uh, some time with you, too, I did want to shift over to Omaha Hockey Weekend. Look, they've they put themselves in a position to where if you can take care of business this weekend, you set up a pretty important weekend series against North Dakota at home next week before the conference tournament. I know it's always, given the history of this program, it's always a nice little safety net. If you can build up the pair-wise to where you're in a good position before that conference tournament starts, that maybe you could be an at-large. But you know it and I know it. It's weekends like this against the last place team in the NCHC that can keep you up at night a little bit because there's really nothing to gain and a lot to lose when it comes to that momentum.
1: Wow. You've got that right. Um, Mike Gabinette had his press conference a couple of days ago. He wouldn't really come out and say it, but they really need to sweep this weekend. Mm-hmm. Nick. You you just can't lose to a team that's only one one game in the conference all season long. I mean, even a tie might be devastating. Yeah. So they they have to come away with six points this weekend, and then uh, you know worry about North Dakota the following weekend. But yeah, they've uh, they've really turned it around. I thought in February they've lost those two games to Denver, and I think they went up to Saint Cloud State after that. And I thought, wow, this is where the the whole season might blow apart, but yep. uh, they played well then, and they've played well ever since. So I think that's a credit to Mike Gabinet for, for keeping everybody on board and a credit to the players for still playing hard. But, uh, yeah, they really need to win two games at Miami this weekend and then uh, hope for the best against North Dakota to uh, finish up the regular season.
0: Yeah, I know Gabby talks about the team kind of having a dog mentality. I, I, I think of last weekend you were there too Caden Emberico, for my money, I think is the best goaltender in the NCHC, but it almost seemed like Simon Lacozzi was not having any of that conversation to think that – and what Emberico did in the shootout loss Saturday night was pretty impressive, but Simon had himself a really solid weekend where kind of before that it's been sort of hit or miss with Simon, and you start to think about some of those teams that have gone on a run uh, at this – time of the year those previous maverick teams whether it was under you know gabinet or or even dean blazer mike kemp you've typically seen goaltenders kind of come into their own we'll all remember ryan massa now on the denver coaching staff and what he did in in the the efforts to get to the frozen four you know might we be seeming see simon lacosey finding that consistency which could be big
1: well i I'm thinking so, and I'm hoping so because, uh, you know, he played great this past weekend. And you mentioned Embarrico. Uh, Saturday night was one of those games that the Mavs couldn't afford to lose because I think they had outshot uh, outshot them 42 to 17. Yeah. Embarrico had made a number of great saves. I mean, UNO trailed 1 nothing for most of the game until. Nolan Sullivan tied it in the in the closing minutes and then they they won the shootout to get the extra point in the standings. So but uh, you know we've seen it not just at the college level but at the NHL level if you get a hot goalie they can take you a long way and um, not not just the saves but just kind of the mental lift that it gives right. the entire team where they they know that it's going to really take uh, something special to get a puck past their netminder back there. So you know I think maybe Simon has been a little overshadowed this season by the great season Embarico has been having. But, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, hopefully two more wins this weekend at Miami, Simon playing strong, and then, uh, like I said, finished up against North Dakota, and
0: we'll see what happens from there. Yeah, we know that'll always be a fun series. Mike, appreciate you joining us. I know you've got a busy day in front of you. Enjoy all of the action out there in Lincoln. Uh, We'll look forward to, to reading about it, and I'll look forward to seeing you at Baxter next weekend. All right. Sounds good, Nick. Thank you. That is Mike Patterson of the Omaha World-Herald. He's covering girls' high school basketball, as he has for so long, and then he will switch the beats over from girls' high school basketball to baseball. You'll see him out at a ballpark near you. as I know spring tryouts have gotten underway for all spring sports earlier this week. Easy to think about that. That's awesome, though, because usually that means warmer weather. But also on the Omaha hockey beat, uh, they've got a big one this weekend taking on Miami of Ohio. And I say big one because this is that proverbial trap weekend that, unfortunately, and this goes back to the history of Omaha hockey, you know, all the way back, you know, from in the Mike Kemp era to the Dean Blaze era to now the Mike Abinett era, where you would have. A team starting to kind of find itself a little bit. They start building momentum, and we've talked about the pairwise rankings, which is essentially college hockey's RPI, and you start getting some movement. It was a great weekend for them. They do not lose at all last weekend. They did get the tie, the official tie, and then the shootout victory to get the extra point in the conference standings, but a win on Friday as well. So you kind of get the, I guess you could call it the poor man's sweep of Colorado College last weekend, who was ranked number 10 at the time. You're not going to be moving up in the pairwise this weekend with wins against Miami of Ohio, but if you lose just one game to Miami of Ohio, that's where you can take a major dip when it comes to pairwise, and we've seen this happen before with Omaha hockey teams of the past where they've got some momentum then they go out to either an Oxford, Ohio or even back when Colorado College was kind of struggling, they go out to a Colorado Springs, they would either split or even get swept. And then you just come back thinking, crap, now you've got to win the conference tournament. And as we know, with Omaha hockey history, they have not made it to the second weekend of the conference tournament. So you want to build it up as much as you can. You sweep this weekend, and then you set up a major opportunity against North Dakota, who is a top 10 pairwise team, is a legitimate top five team. North Dakota is always a fun series And uh, for that thing to have a little extra juice next weekend, Mavs need to take care of business this weekend on the road against Miami. Of course, you can hear both of those games on Coil tonight and tomorrow night. Uh, When we return, going to talk some uh, Husker basketball. In fact, uh, Wilson. You know what? We'll we'll talk to we'll talk to Wilson next. But uh, Jimmy, the other thing tomorrow uh, with Creighton hoops. That we'll actually be uh, watching for, other than the blue crew. The, the blue crew is back. I know. We Will pro- they be freed? Someone needs to have a sign. Free the, bl- the blue crew. We, Perhaps Billy could do that. We probably spent way too much time on that. No, but- we didn't. <laughs> I don't. You know, looked I, happy. I know, I look happy. I was You're having right? a good, exactly. I, I Life was, short. I was. I was having a good time with that. I. I really was. Yeah. Um, Anybody that gets worked up and upset over that, it'd be like lighten up, Francis. We're having a. We're having a good time. Yeah. We're gonna enjoy a good basketball game. Hopefully, Kolic will be healthy in time. Not, I mean, he's probably not going to play tomorrow. But I'm just saying yeah. in general, I don't want anyone hurt. Well, and does that if if it's be a great game? If Tyler Kolic does not go tomorrow, and I I Mark feel Cat like will play inspired and spirited. So I feel be, like all signs are pointing to no. But I think Creighton wins. I, I do and too. I would anyway, even if Kolic were playing healthy, I, I do too. I I think tomorrow I think the there's going to be fantastic. Yep, I think there's a lot. Charing there's a lot teams. of emotion going on on Senior Day, even if it's you know, even if it's celebrating a senior. I mean, there's three that are going to walk. The CU band's going to play Marquette's fight song. It'll yeah, be great. It's going to be very positive. Uh, you are you are saying goodbye to Baylor Shireman, and that that's the the thing about tomorrow that I think is probably more significant than even the game itself. I don't I don't want to diminish the game. It's a huge game, but the Baylor Shireman appreciation I think needs to be. Needs to be up there with some of the great players that we've bid farewell to. You know, I, th- I think of you know Doug's senior day. That was uh, a big one. Uh, Baylor Sharman, even though he wasn't here for the length of time that Doug was, what he has accomplished and just his overall presence from a year ago to where he is now, as I still think, I- I'll say it, I-, I think he's the biggest player of the year. I think he is the model of consistency. What he brings on a nightly basis, and the way that he's kind of transformed his body. You've heard Mac talk about that a lot too. There's that I think feeling of okay, there. You know, Ryan Calkbrenner is going to walk on on senior day and he'll address the crowd and you know he'll say thank you. But there's that that hope and that feeling that he could possibly be coming back, and I think that that is a, a realistic possibility. But I think also Baylor Shireman, what he has done to leave his mark in just two short years, and depending on where this thing goes in the NCAA tournament, if they are able to be a second weekend team, dare I say a final weekend team, and Baylor Shireman will have been part of an Elite Eight run and possibly matching that or even better, the way that we will remember Baylor Shireman in the lure of of Creighton basketball greats. Like Baylor Shireman is going to make his, uh, if he hasn't already, but as far as being a part and being a major part, the catalyst of a team that could go deep into the tournament not once but twice in the two years that he was here, despite all the great records and being a thousand point scorer uh, in a Creighton uniform as well, that's going to be a pretty big farewell tomorrow. That for, for Baylor Shireman, again, I don't know if we we talk about it as much because he's only been here for two years. You know, you you had Doug for four years, and you got to see Doug as a freshman all the way to a senior and see him develop into the best player in college basketball his final year. Baylor Shireman, not too shabby in the two years that he was in a Creighton uniform, which, again, major, major farewell tomorrow uh, for him in a game that will be charged up emotionally for a lot of people. Uh, When we come back, uh, Nebraska, they lose to Ohio State. What do we feel about Nebraska going forward? Was it more the same on the road? Is there some concerns that go greater than just that? Or do you chalk it up to, we'll give them that one. They'll be fine when they get back home on Sunday. We'll talk about that with Wilson Moore of the Omaha World Herald on the Nebraska Hoops Beat. He joins us next. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the Filet-O-Fish Sandwich all day.